0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wayne County Chambers podcast for the record. We want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Sport Durst of Goldsboro, Goldsboro Builder Supply, and Professional Data Management. The Sport Durst team is ready to get you into a beautiful new Volkswagen. Offering open and honest pricing on every vehicle and service, Sport Durst of Goldsboro understands the value of your time and dollars. Providing quality building materials since 1953, Goldsboro Builder Supply is your premier destination for custom designs and excellent service to builders and contractors in Wayne County and surrounding areas. Professional data management offers specialized service and technologies designed to help you gain maximum reimbursements for the valuable services that your office provides. Another huge thank you to our in-kind sponsors, Daniel's Furniture, University Lights of Goldsboro, and Johnson Carpet One, who together worked hard to make our beautiful podcast set what you see today. And for the record, we're glad you're here.
1: All right, Mr. John. Bell, the one and only. It's nice to be
2: here. Good gracious, there's a couple of John Bells around here area, so true. you know. But I'll, I, I I like the name ID, so it works out pretty. good. You're
1: our favorite, you know. You're our favorite. It, it, it was,
2: it, it was one election. It was, uh, it was pretty funny. That's one of the first ones I ran in, and um, you see, we had uh, my my friend Larry Bell, who's no longer serving and just semi retired. Larry Bell was running. Um, Commissioner John Bell, who's 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 passed away now, um, was running. And then uh, John T. Bell had his realty signs yeah, out. Yeah. Then I had my signs out. And so oh, it was like Bell everywhere. And people were like, I voted for you. And I'm like, it, it mattered. The name ID was key. Yeah, so it worked right. out great.
1: I didn't even, I thought the John Bell realty, I thought that was you for the longest time.
2: It, 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 people do. Yeah. And I tell them, no, I'm, I'm not that savvy. <laughs> um, but there is a picture of, of me and uh, Commissioner John Bell at the election polls both wearing John Bell shirts. So that was that was pretty fun. That is and good. That is good. I miss him. He, he he was a good one. He was a good one for our community.
1: So a lot you're you're a big public figure. A lot of people here in Wayne County know you. And uh, but we want to learn a little bit more about you today if we can. First of all, thank you for being on the yeah, for the record. Podcast. Thank, thank you all for
2: doing this. I, I think yeah. it's great you're doing this. It's it's new, it's exciting, it's different and glad to see the chamber involved and and uh, not only getting to feature different people throughout the community but also educating people in our community. Yeah. On, on on what we do to help serve our communities so that's, that's right we're and there's
1: a lot of good stuff going on out there as you as you know um so where are you from let's talk about your family like give us some background man. Yeah. so
2: so i was born in wilson north carolina my my mom uh worked at the hospital and my dad was on um, working with the department of transportation and so when i was probably i think two or could have been younger we moved to mount olive um my uh, my dad grew up in Facing. My mom grew up in the big city of Botankas, if you know oh, where that yeah. is, out Bo-Tankus in Dupland County. Uh, both of them went to North Dupland High School. <laughs> and uh, my grandparents, uh, Nora and Eleanor Isell lived out there um, uh, on, on the Bell side. My my, my grandfather, uh, John, John Bell, uh, passed away when my dad was young. And then his mother um, and my grandmother, uh, Miss Evelyn, passed away when my dad was about 19. So, so he grew up pretty tough. I um, grew up there in Facing. And, uh, so my parents met in high school and, uh, later got married and I was, the, I was the first. And then, um, my sister came about a year and a half later. So, so we grew up in Mount Olive. Uh, I call Mount Olive home. That's where I'm from. That's where, um, my heart is. And so, uh, so yeah, that's where it all started in Mount Olive, North Carolina. Yeah. Home, it's of, good place. Ha- home of the pickles, home that's of right. Mount Olive. It was Mount Olive College when I was there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So you got Southern Bank. Highway yeah. 55, a lot, a lot of good stuff happens. There's a lot Alex. of good
1: stuff. Uh, and uh, Mount Olive just announced a partnership with, right, with Carolina Panthers.
2: Carolina Panthers. Uh, you know, How it's, cool is that? It, it's neat to see the the pickle plant. I remember when we first started doing the Pickle Festival years ago, when it was Mount Olive and Kate's teamed up to do the, the Pickle Festival. And, uh, and to see where the company has grown from then to now is now really impressive. So, so Mount Olive is where I call home. Um, my father... Um, passed away a couple of years ago. And, but my mom still lives in Mount Olive and my sister still lives in Mount Olive. So that's home. And you live in Rosewood? Live, live out in Rosewood. Uh, you know, I, my, my wife Kelly and I uh, joke. I remember when uh, we first met and she's like, Well, I'm from Rosewood. I was like, Oh, a gated community. <laughs> she, she was like, No, it's not. I'm like, and, um, and she said, Well, we're, we're Live yeah, in Holland, Hollow. Yeah, She said, Well, you're from, you're from Mount Olive. You're from the other side of the river. And I was like, I didn't. There's no other side of the river. She says, that's what people from the other side of the river say. Yeah. So, but, uh, but no, I grew up in the southern part of the county. And so, um, actually, actually pretty interesting. So, uh, you know, I had a little trouble with a reading program when I was at Carver Elementary growing up. And back then you had uh, Wayne County Public Schools and the Goldsboro City Schools. And so, um, so my my neighbor was uh, Bill Troutman, who was superintendent of the Goldsboro City Schools. He and my mom were talking, ended up transferring from Carver Elementary to, to Carver Heights. I went to Carver Heights School Street and Diller. A lot of people don't know that. I went to the city schools and then uh, transferred from there out to North Looplin where I went to junior high, uh, um, middle school then, and then went to high school and graduated from North Looplin High School. Uh, My grandparents were very active in the community, both my parents and aunts and uh, uncles went there. And so it was a family tradition to go there. So that's where we wanted to go. And um, then graduated from high school and Decided I wanted to go to school at the beach. So I went to UNCW uh, and graduated from there and what was your degree in? <laughs> school. <No. laughs> it was I was just I just tried to make it through. Yeah. No, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I got to school and majored in political science for like for like the first semester. I was like, This is horrible. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't really know what I wanted. But um ended up taking a class in criminal justice and had a professor that I really liked. And so I ended up majoring in, uh, got a Bachelor of Arts degree, a double major in criminal justice and sociology. Was going to take that into law school, was what I thought I wanted to do. But uh, at, at, towards the end of my senior year, I was like, you know, I really don't want to go to law school. I just want to go to work. So uh, so, so, I got out of high school, excuse me, got out of college. And I was sitting there and I had two applications on my desk. I, did, I didn't know what to do. I was uh, looking at... Do I, go, I had a Highway Patrol application. Maybe I want to go to law enforcement. And then my mom referred me a, a job opening here in Goldsboro, which for the Boy Scouts. And so I applied for the Boy Scouts and became a district executive with the Boy Scouts.
1: Oh, I never knew that. Mm-hmm. The Boy so, Scouts.
2: Um, yeah, so I worked with the Boy Scouts for five and a half years. Great organization. Yep, ended up in Panama City Beach, Florida. Really? Being young and single and took a promotion to move to Panama City Beach, Florida is not, well, a, not yeah, a bad life. I was going to say that. And so um, so then I, was, I called my mom one morning. I was like, hey, I want to come home. And so I had to look for a job, and back then, trying to find a job, one was tough, but then try to get one that you know, kept you salary within range, et cetera, in Wayne County was even tougher. And so I ended up um, getting a job managing a bank, and so it was a, a new bank, which is now Wood Forest National Bank, so I helped oh, yeah. put the bank in the Walmart there on Spence Avenue, which was very interesting. I learned a lot uh, when you're in a small institution like that. Um you know, you learn from taking the trash out to, to doing uh, NSF fees to all the all the fun stuff that goes into the bank in front of office and back office. And so I was there for a little over a year and uh, got approached by North Carolina Community Federal Credit Union. They were starting a business development department and would I come over and work with them and um, made, made a decision to go over there. Uh, Claudia Meeks, who um, was the chief operating officer and who was also my best friend's mom, recruited me to come over there. So it worked out pretty good and that's where it all started for me. That's good.
1: That's also where the Kate Daniels relationship and that's where that started yeah, inerdist.
2: Yeah. So 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 it's a funny story about the, the Kate situation. Um so I knew Kate's brother, John. Okay. Uh, he went to UNCW and we lived in the same apartment complex. I always hung out. And so I, I never knew Kate, but I knew John had a sister. I ne- I didn't know Kate. And Jeremiah and I grew up in Boy Scouts together, so I always knew Jeremiah so um so I, I didn't put it together till we were at a center street jam and I saw John and I was like, Hey, what are you doing here? And he was like, I'm here with my sister. I was like, that's your sister. And so that's when I put it all together. So, uh, so we, we knew of each other, but never knew each other until we moved back here. And uh, Kate was working at the university of Mount Olives. Yeah. And uh, so she was looking to do some different things. And we had a marketing position open and brought Kate on board and her and I worked together for a number of years, had a great time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's good people. That's for sure. Um, so how did you get involved in politics? I mean, well, yeah, like I, I certainly want that to be a personal, but but just politics in general, that's kind of a, that's a unique deal, like how it someone, to, you know, sort of gravitates to that. How did so, you gravitate?
2: So I, I remember, um, I remember growing up with my dad working for the Department of Transportation. Uh, he always knew the local elected officials and state officials. And so I, I remember growing up having uh, Senator John Carr call the house and talking to my dad and and I, I joke with uh, Phil Bedore, but it's actually really true, is the first political event I ever went to was an event for Phil Bedore. He was giving out biscuits uh, at a campaign event at the Grantham store. And my dad and I were on the way to Boy Scout camp, and we stopped in. And, and so I, I met Mr. Phil Bedore there. And uh, I just kind of knew some of the, the, the players in politics. I really didn't understand what it was or what they were doing. I just knew who they were through my, through my dad and mom. And uh, I always thought it fascinating. I thought it was fascinating on what was going on in Washington, uh, how local government worked, how state government worked. And so when I moved back into, uh, when I moved back into Wayne County and started getting active in the community, uh, I was approached by my boss at the time, uh, Claudia Meeks. She came over and said, Hey, Efton Sager uh, is running for state house. And I said, great. I think you'll do a good job. And she said, he wants me to run a campaign. I'm looking out for my parents. Uh, we thought it'd be good if you ran a campaign. And I was like, I've never ran a campaign before. And she said, well, y'all figure it out. So Mr. Ethan and I had a conversation and I said, I've never run a campaign. He said, well, I've never run for a state house. I said, well, I guess we're going to figure out together. So, so I got involved with him. That was back in 2007 and um, just enjoyed the challenge, enjoyed the puzzle pieces. I have to call it pu- which pieces fit. What works, what didn't work. We were successful. If you go back to that election, that was a 2008 election, uh, you know, uh, that was a total blue wave. And so very few Republicans won. Uh, so Mr. Efton introduced me to folks at the local party here. So I got involved there uh, and then ended up um, becoming the vice chair. They were looking to get younger people involved. So I got, became vice chair of the party. And so navigated through that. And in 2010, uh, then Lewis Pate. Who ran in two thousand eight, but uh, lost, called me and said, "Look, we're going to put a team together to, to run for state senate again, and love for you to be involved in the campaign and help me with it." And I said, "Sure." And so I helped him. Uh, at that time, I don't think Efton had an op- opponent in, in ten, and so uh, so I was involved in this little that I know at the time was going to be the, the the takeover for Republicans here in the state. And so I was there in the ga- in the gallery in the Senate. When Senator Phil Berger took the gavel uh, for the first time, Republicans had control of both chambers. I think since the first time since Abraham Lincoln
1: yeah.
2: was uh, was president, so since Reconstruction, so mm-hmm. it's it's been a neat journey going from sitting in the gallery watching it happen to now being one of the people making the decisions to to move the state forward. So that's where it all started. Uh, in 2012, I was approached about running. Um, some campaigns, and I said, "Sure, I had a little side business because I want you know, everybody's got a little side hustle you got to do to make a little extra money." And it was a passion of mine; that was my hobby. And I, I joked that I went to a cabin in the woods in Snow Hill, which is actually true. It's just like in the movies. We're sitting there around this table, and we're trying to figure out who's gonna who's gonna do what. And I laid out a great campaign plan on how we could win this district. I said, "All right, who's the candidate?" And they said, "Well, we hope you would do it." And I was like, "Y'all are crazy! Why would I do that?" I remember Mr. Andy Anderson in the room, and he said, uh, I mean, if nobody else wants to do it, I guess I'll do it, but we'd rather you do it. So, so, um, <laughs> went home and talked to my wife about it and prayed about it and, you know, wanted to see if it was right. And so, the, um, it just got to be if I ran and lost, I'd get a chance to meet a lot of good people from across the, because at the time the district was four counties. So, I'd get a chance to meet a lot of good people from Eastern North Carolina. If I ran and won, good things that happen. i get a chance to represent my community. And uh, I ran and won in a Republican primary. Uh, 39 votes was a difference in the election, so it was wow. very tight. Yeah. And then I went on to win the general election pretty handily, and then off to the races from there.
1: Off to the races. And you, you've you uh, matriculated up to the majority leader. T- timing has been good, but yeah. also you
2: have to capitalize on the timing. So, sure. so when I got into the General Assembly, uh, you're talking coming in, won the 2012 election, so we're starting in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we get into sessions. I'm a freshman. I didn't even know where the bathroom was, barely knew where my office was, trying to figure out navigate the place. I was very blessed to have some help. You know, I had Lewis Pate sitting there. I had Jimmy Dixon who had won a re-election. So I had people I knew that I could lean on and talk to and get a better understanding. And um, and then Tom Pillis announces that he's running for U.S. Senate. So that was the end, that was my first term there. So you had a situation where we're going to have a competitive speakers race coming up. Uh, Tom's running for a very competitive U.S. Senate seat, and so we had all the protests, everything. I was like, man, this is really cool. <laughs> so um, there was a lot, there was a lot of action. Yeah, you know, oh, always oh, something going on all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of protests, a lot of um, uh, a lot of energy in the building. And so, um, so when 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 Tom left for Speaker to open up the speakers race. And then which opened up the whip position, majority leader position, et cetera. And so I threw my name in the hat to run for majority whip uh, coming back into 15, which is the chief vote counter. It's nothing nothing fancy. I can count to 61 and 72. Uh, 61 is how you pass a bill. You got to have at least majority. And then uh, 72 is how you override a veto. And then you have to learn number three because that's how you conduct business. You have the three people in the chamber to conduct business. So um, so did that for about a year and a half, and uh, the majority leader at the time, uh, Mike Hager, came to me and said, Look, I'm stepping out. Uh, I'm going to go into the private sector. Would you be interested in running for majority leader? And I said, well, Mike, I never thought about it. And he said, Look, I think you do a great job. So I threw my name in the hat, and about six months before the 2016 election, uh, I got elected majority leader. And they said, oh, by the way, we've got to recruit these candidates and you got to raise X amount of dollars. I was like, what? Nobody told me that. So I remember um, coming into that session leading up to the election, that short session. Uh, I used to always walk into office when I was the whip. And uh, Mike was majority leader. And I'd say, uh, he said, it has time done, uh, like BC powders on his desk. He was frustrated. <laughs> you know, he was his hand, hand like this on his face. And I was Oh. I was sitting there in my office and uh, Mike came walking in and here it is. He like lost like five pounds. New haircut, new suit. And I was sitting there with my hair disheveled and tie undone with BC patterns on my desk. And I said, get out. Yeah. <laughs> he said, if I'd have told you, you never took the job. Right. So, so we joke about that today, but it's an honor to have your colleagues elect you to a leadership position, especially the majority leader, because you're supposed to be the voice of the caucus. Um, and so I took that as a, as a huge honor. And I said, man, can I, can I leverage this to be the best representative for my district, but also represent the Republican Party, represent the Republican caucus, the best of my ability. And so we've been successful in doing that since 2016.
1: And represent Wayne County.
2: Yes. I mean. So 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 this is so, so now you look at politics now, you fast forward to where we are now. When I started, I had portions of Wayne, Green, Lenore, and Craven. Then through redistricting, moved to portions of Wayne, Olive Green, a little bit of Johnston. And so this is the first session where I've solely had just Wayne County. So my district is encompassed just in Wayne County now, which is um, which is pretty neat. I only have to deal with one school board, one county commission. <laughs> so those things are easier. But I still have to work with representatives all across the state. Sure. So, um, so even though the, the issues um, the issues are more condensed, uh, we still have issues here in Wayne County we have to address. But then also I get to work with folks from all across the state. So it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. No, that is pretty cool. And and Wayne County is fortunate. I mean, I think in a lot of, uh, you know, it would have been fortunate regardless to have had a majority leader of any kind that, you know, I think is perhaps true. But in this case, you've been huge for this county. And I don't think there's anybody on any side of the aisle anywhere that would dispute that. And so I, we, I think we should just say we appreciate your service. Well, and I, appreciate I, pre-
2: I, I appreciate the compliment. Uh, you know, I'm just proud to be a small part of a long legacy of really, really good representation that Wayne County has had. Uh, also, I go, I, I like history. So I go back and look. And when you talk about people like Henson Barnes, who represented this area for years, uh, Phil Bedore, John Carr, uh, I mean, Louis Pate, Jimmy Dixon, Efton Sager, Larry Bell, um, Don Day. I mean, we've, we've been very blessed. We've been very blessed. I, you know, And just, just recently, uh, we had Representative Raymond Smith that served for a number of years. So, so we've been very blessed to have people that have put party aside and looked for what was best for our community. We were different on issues, yeah. but, um, but we really tried to put our community first. And so now you look at our delegation, and we have, um, we have uh, you know, Buck Newton as our new senator. Even though he's from Wilson, he, um, he understands the importance of Wayne County. We work very well together. Um, Buck's in a senior position in the Senate. He served for a while, retired out, and came back. Uh, I've, I'm in my position where I'm a senior member of a leadership delegation there in the House. And then you look at what Jimmy Dixon's done. Uh, agriculture is our county's largest industry by far. It's our state's well, largest economic just, industry I by just, far.
1: Well, I heard the new number uh, a couple weeks ago is like 1.3 billion dollars annual economic
2: impact. Uh, I mean that's pretty crazy. Huge. That's right. So so it's um it's it's shocking what agriculture the, the amount of impact and influence agriculture has in our community for Representative Dixon to be the senior agriculture chair and in that position really pays dividends for what we've been able to do here, especially with the issues that we face over the last 12 years in, in Raleigh as a state level, whether it be nuisance suits, whether it be um, flooding issues. I mean, we, we have worked in a bipartisan fashion, and so I'm just proud to be a small part of that. Sport Durst Volkswagen Monster of Goldsboro is proud to support Wayne County Chamber of Commerce. Family owned and operated, Sport Durst knows the importance of keeping local money local and supporting the community. We put our customers first with the area's best pricing, best trade-in value, and best selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. Come experience the Sport Durst difference where customers and community come first.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I, I think you'd probably agree. There's, I don't know where they're from or what they're doing or, or what the, but the intent from a handful of people is to get rid of it completely as a sector. I think they want. there are people out there who want to reorganize the economy, right? And they, they, they see agriculture as an obstacle almost.
2: They, 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 there's folks out there that would rather you have your own little garden in the back of your house and that's what they view agriculture as. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that you have to feed, Um, you know, where one grows, you have to feed multiples. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the impact that would have if those folks had their agenda, I mean, it would not only would it completely devastate the economy of Wayne County, it would cripple the economy for America. And uh, I look at agriculture, of course, it's about food, but also it's about national security. Uh, if we can't feed ourselves and we become dependent on other countries to do that, man, we're going to buy
1: and, and I and we talked about this in an event actually I think uh, uh, several maybe a couple months ago now but China has become one of the largest purchasers of land in the United States and a lot of agricultural lands being gobbled up I mean how do we I don't I don't know what the state's role is in that for, but, you know to be honest but I mean I, as just a normal citizen that makes me I'm concerned.
2: (laughs) Well, and I'm concerned, too. And uh, I filed a bill this year along with some other representatives that's now working its way through. And and really, it would stop the sale of of land um, due to countries that are basically on the terrorist adverse watch list. Uh, So, you you know, what we're seeing happen now is you're seeing strategic land purchases around military bases, agriculture facilities. And we've, we've got to shut that down. We've got to stop that. Uh, you know we just a few months back we watched a Chinese spy balloon fly across our country um, that's that's shocking that that would happen here in America uh, so but we're watching the Chinese get extremely aggressive and so even though there's not a lot we can do on the state level there are things we can do to to protect ourselves to protect our installations to protect our agriculture and so so we're we're not only um we're we're very aware of that and so we feel like we can put some rules and regulations, encroachment issues in place to protect that, not only from China, but also other countries that wish to do us harm.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, thank you. We appreciate that. Um, so I, it, it dawns on me, you said that you've been involved since 2007, running campaigns at least. So uh, politics has changed quite a bit in that time period. Uh, at the national level, for sure, mm-hmm. um, and people uh, maybe I maybe I misunderstand it. So you can educate me here, but people t- tend to take their cues at least downstream from what's happening at the national level, and they see things tend to see things through those lenses, even if it's not quite as you know quite the same locally. But the principle is roughly the same. But things have mm-hmm. seemed to be. Much more polarized, uh, much more aggressive uh, than than it maybe it used to be. Uh, maybe I'm getting old. Is that what it is? No, no. It's um,
2: you know, I've definitely watched it evolve over over the twelve, well, it's twelve years now since it's I've been in the General Assembly. So, but um, so so let's let's talk about the truths and the myths that are out there. So, okay. the first thing is, is when you look at look at what we do in Raleigh. Um, I would say that 85 to 90% of the bills that we pass are all bipartisan. But that 10% is what makes the clicks, is what makes the reels, is what makes the headlines, is what makes the news. Nobody wants to report. Hey, it was a great day. Did you to me. Everybody got along. Nobody wants to yeah, report yeah. that.
1: Guys, they really got a lot done today. <laughs> and, and so, so they, they focus on that. I don't think I've day. ever heard that reported. Actually, now that no, I think no, about that, it,
2: they, they know, got you, a lot done today. You wouldn't watch. I mean, I, I wouldn't watch. <laughs> right, so, right, right. so, so, but that's not what what sales. That's true. And so, so you have that that um, perception that um, Republicans and Democrats don't get along. We don't like each other. We don't talk. We're always constantly at each other's throat which is not the case. Um, one of the best relationships I have in the building is with the minority leader, Robert Reeves. And so we're, we're friends not only inside the building, but we're friends outside the building. And so there's relationships like that all throughout the General Assembly. Um, but you wouldn't know that unless you talk to somebody that's, that's been there and seen that. The other thing is, is um, North Carolina is a very unique state when it comes to political, politics overall. Uh, some people will say we're, we're purple. Some people will say we're, I, 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 if you look at the election results, I think we're a red state. But when it gets to those statewide races, it's really weird. North Carolinians um, don't vote straight party. They never have. Um, I, look, I look at because people say, well, how can Donald Trump win and Roy Cooper win and Mark Robinson win? And, and it goes back and forth. And I said, well, um, look back in our state's history. You know, you, you had... You had Jim Hunt and Easley, but then also you had Reagan on the top, the top of the ticket. George Bush would win. North Carolinians have always been those independent thinkers on the national level, statewide level, will vote person over politics. And that's where we get the purple deal from. So, But now you look at the way politics is shaped is that the amount of money that comes into the state. We have, uh, we have one of the fastest growing states in the country. We have a, uh, We have two U.S. Senate seats, that are key to keep majorities in the U.S. Senate. We uh, now have whew, 14 congressional seats, uh, which means we've grown over the last 10 years through re- and Now we have 14 congressional seats, and so that's a major player in who keeps majority uh, in, the, in the U.S. Congress. And then you look at the, you know, unlike some states where the governor gets elected and elects and then appoints everybody from there down, you know, we have. Governor, Lieutenant Governor, Treasurer, Auditor, uh, State Superintendent, Labor Commissioner, uh, Insurance Commissioner. Uh, All these are statewide races that come here. Agriculture Commissioner, all these are very competitive races that come here for years. And so a lot of money flows into our state. A lot of campaigning goes into our state. With the amount of people we have, we now become a political player in the presidential races. What we did a few years ago is instead of, if you remember... Uh, our primaries used to be held in May during the presidential election. So the presidential picks for both parties were already determined before we even went to the polls. So we've now moved that up. So We're part of that that big Tuesday group in March to where we actually, North Carolina now gets a say-so, which is why people have seen so many nationwide um, politicians come into our area. That's why you're going to see leading into March, you're going to see Republicans and Democrats from all over the country come in to campaign and advocate in North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina's become a, a, a really key state to winning the presidential electoral votes, but also um, to being a player at the na- at, at the national level. So you look at uh, on the congressional side, um, we've got uh, Congressman Greg Murphy, who represents a portion of Wayne County, uh, is, is on Ways and Means. It's a big deal for us, especially since he now now you know, you know, is part of a group that sees you know, over, that has Cherry Point and Seymour Johnson and those military installations in the district. We've got a new congressional member, Wiley Nickel, which now has the eastern part of Wayne County, which goes into Raleigh. Uh, then you've got uh, Don Davis, who served in the state Senate for us for years, is now in Congress. Uh, uh, Rouser, who is in the southern part, the southeastern part of North Carolina, who's now a, a senior member in, in House leadership there, who's been very active uh, since day one on the agriculture side. Uh, if you go a little further towards the, the, the Piedmont area, go into Cumberland County, Moore County, that way. Congressman Richard Hudson, who represents uh, North Carolina, is now the, uh, how do you say it, the the uh, Republican Congressional Chair. So he goes recruits candidates all over the, so North Carolina has a lot of major players uh, at a congressional level. And so it's really made us a focal point. So with that being said, the amount of money, the amount of time uh, has really, uh, it starts to build in North Carolina. And then plus the greatest and worst thing ever happened in politics is what we're doing right now, social media. Yeah, uh, There's so much transparency now. We're, we're not only, not only can you come to session, but you can hear session and watch the audio and the video. You can, you can do it all. And now with social media, you get uh, tweets or X, whatever it's called this week. And you've got Facebook, you've got Instagram, you got all these different methods to get information out there, whether, whether it be true or false, it right, gets sure. out there. And so, which creates a very polarizing environment.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I I think you probably would agree, maybe you don't, but that media has had at least as much to do um, with the polarization as any other single entity. I mean, I, you know, people blame the parties, but I think
2: social media has, I mean, has, I mean, just think, you can be counsel today if you say the wrong thing, just through social media alone. Yeah. Uh, so, social media has played a really big role, and uh, it gives everybody a sounding board, and uh, it it. it, it That's where it becomes very decisive. Mm, That's wild. But it's also a great tool that we have. Sure, that's right. Where I can communicate directly to to my constituents and the people I represent.
1: Well, and I guess by virtue of, you know, as you say, North Carolina becoming a critical state, there's a huge benefit to that politically too, right? I mean, it should add leverage for the folks who are representing us, right? So that's a, I guess there's a... It's a double edged sword. Well,
2: and it's it's also you know if you're a political junkie like I am, I just find it fascinating to be able to have presidential candidates come through Goldsboro, to be able to have that type of of a focus on our area, not just our area, but also the entire state. It's really cool because it was a while ago we didn't have that. You know, to get a presidential candidate come through maybe towards the end of the election, but um, but to have that being a focal point to where I mean, I was just thinking in the last. Last couple elections, you had you had both presidential candidates in our area.
1: That's wild. So, uh, given the environment, lay of the land, uh, your role, and you're a Republican, but we have a diverse county in Wayne County. Uh, or the county is probably uh, a little less diverse than the city of Goldsboro, but Goldsboro makes up a, a significant part of Wayne County. When you're thinking through, um, how do you deliver for diverse needs? Like, I mean, the people who are asking of you, who are asking things of you, it's a, that's a lot of folks. Almost, I imagine that happens all the time, right? People are asking you for things. It happened a couple what? times, that's more on the way yeah. over here. <laughs> By the way, Chamber of Commerce, no, yeah. I'm kidding. No, no,
2: so, so I don't look at it as, as a Republican, Democrat, diverse. Uh. I, I look at it as, okay, so if I've got people coming to me, the last time I checked, if every Republican voted for me, I still wouldn't have enough votes to win. So I have to have unaffiliates, I got to have Democrats. Um, I got to have a that's I, that's what we, we go for. I want that diverse candidate pool. That uh, not diverse candidate pool, but I want a diverse voter base to where to where I'm I'm winning regardless of what kind of precinct it is, what mm-hmm. kind of district it is. Um, that that i I'm, I'm their guy. And, and by being that person, you have to listen to all sides of the aisle. You have to listen to people from all different backgrounds, all different ways of life, uh, all different interests. Uh, you have some people that are concerned about the city of Goldsboro and care less about anything else in the county. You've got some people that all they care about is Pikeville, and I understand that. you got some people that don't care about no. anything. are you, 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 you got Some people have different interests, <laughs> but, but, but you've got to filter through that. and say, so, okay, right. When making these decisions on what I can do, one, how can I impact the most people in the district and what's best for the county? And so that that's the way I, I make my decisions. So the city of Goldsboro will come up and say, you know, hey, this is our request, and can you help us with this? And I'll I'll look through it, and um, Pike will do the same thing. Eureka did the same thing. Fremont, and and, and so on. And so uh, you know, you try to do what's best for the county as a whole. How many, if, if we're able to get X amount of dollars for funding, mm-hmm. what has the maximum impact that we can serve the, the most people?
1: So that's kind of your rubric at which you, and and I'm sure there's some political. Weight given to everything because you have to. I mean, that's part of the job. But um, by virtue of Wayne County being your county, it's it's a little purer, I think, than it's ever been before. I mean, well, that's it, the it, other it, flip side of it's, it.
2: Is. It's easier because when I when I make the ask uh, and, and I look at what I'm able to secure in the budget, I don't. I, it's not that I don't worry about other counties because I do. Mm-hmm. But um, but but where where can I I, I, I leverage? where can I work with Senator Newton? Where, uh, where can I work with Representative Dixon mm-hmm. to leverage the ass to get the maximum impact? That's right. And so uh, so there's no reason for me to be asking for something for Goldsboro and Representative Dixon asking for Goldsboro and mm-hmm. S- Senator Newton asking for Goldsboro. I said, okay, I got the Goldsboro ask. You know, you you get this ass, You get the mouth of ass. And so we talk through that. Yeah. And that's the way we've always done. Uh, Senator Davis and I did the exact same thing when we had Green Cane together. Yeah. And so you leverage those ass to get maximum impact to help a bunch of people. Uh, we had a a deal in the budget that um that I, I love to talk about because has, it has has impact for a whole party, really for our whole state, but mainly eastern North Carolina is on um, the, the new hangar for the maintenance facilities uh, at the Global Transpark. And so so when you're at, so that 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 was a regional ask. That was myself and Senator Perry and Representative Humphrey and Representative Dixon and Senator Newton. All of us getting together and saying, you know, this is a big deal for us. How can we ask for this? So you have to leverage those ass. And so we do that.
1: Yeah, and I and I will admit here too. The uh, I had this conversation. I guess it was a few weeks ago with Mark Pope. But um, when when this economic development stuff went regional, I was not a fan. I was like, "What in the heck is going on?" You know, over here in Wayne County, it's hard. You know, if there's this chip on the shoulder of you feel like it's hard enough. Now you're. the, the thought was from us, you know, small minded folks was that at least this one was that Wayne County's going to get left behind, you know, because the trans going to be blah, blah, blah. But the truth is vision visionaries behind that are folks like you, uh, Senator Perry. Yeah. Right. I mean, well,
2: and, and you, you had others, you know, you had, I mean, Chuck Allen, mm-hmm. Jack Best, and mm-hmm. there was our county commission, uh, Joe Gurley, my father, I mean, all these, yeah. all, all these folks had this vision of, of working together. And so here's the reality. Uh, January the 1st, 2023. I mean, think about this. Going into this year is the first year in our state's history where the majority of representation came from urban North Carolina, not rural North Carolina. And so when you look at where the representation comes from and you look at the map and you realize that there are more state elected officials in Wake County and Mecklenburg County, two counties, then we have eastern North Carolina, I mean, the entire eastern North Carolina, 95 East. I mean, think about that. That's crazy. So we have to leverage our votes. We have to leverage our ass to work together. So we're already working together on issues. And so, you know, when you ask for something for Wake County, that's one thing. But when we ask for Three hundred and fifty plus million dollars to bring the naval maintenance facilities.
1: I want you to repeat that for the uh, folks who are listening. You know that's
2: a (laughs) three hundred fifty million dollars to make sure the FRC East stays in eastern North Carolina, which is thousands of jobs. We can have all the maintenance facilities, which uh, not only is a benefit to our region. It's like twenty three counties the global transport pulls from. So that means that even though we we may not see. The, the immediate tax revenue from the actual entity, a lot of those folks working there are living in Wayne County. They're calling Wayne County home. They have a job. They're driving right across the line. This allows our men and women at Seymour Johnson who want to retire and stay here an opportunity to have those maintenance jobs to work there. It also protects Seymour Johnson as a whole because now you've got, we're leveraging the global transport with the base because at the end of the day, Seymour Johnson's a one runway base. I mean, this is where we're at and so but what can we do to put the facilities opportunities and safeguards around that base to protect it and these type of entities not only protect seymour johnson but also protect um uh, cherry point camp june etc
1: yeah no i think i mean i think it's been i think it's been great and i think it, it, it makes sense now um so I appreciate all the work well, that everybody it's, it's did. It's also not
2: just the military; it's also the manufacturing opportunities. That's
1: right, and it's kind of the wraparound, even in Wayne County. Like you, uh, you know, I've I've read I've read about how aerospace and and kind of the future of aerospace and how we're trying to capitalize on that as a niche, a defense in aerospace. And I think, gosh, how smart is that? That's well, very you smart. You know,
2: you've got the greatest fighter wing on planet Earth, that's right. right down the road from us. You've that's also right. got the the, the the refueling wing there. Yeah. Uh, now you've got companies like Drockin that have moved in. Uh, a lot of folks that work with Drockin, even though it's based at the Global Transpark, are living in Wayne County. Uh, they're taking retired pilots. They're able to not only have the maintenance part, but have the pilot part. And then you look at the operations that'll be moving from FRC East and have to the Global Transpark. Um, it's a big deal for our entire region. It's a big deal. And, uh, and it also brings in... More business than industry opportunities. Uh, you know, you talk to Mark Pope and others mm. Try to find a shell building right now That's in Wayne right. County. It's yeah. tough. It's In my private business, we tried. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you know, th- th- those type of things are, are really benefiting a regional approach. And the neat thing is, I've talked to other counties that want to want to jump on the train and start working together because to leverage those votes, to leverage that appropriation power, to leverage those projects is key to our success. Yeah, we've talked about it for years. No one did it. We That's always right. talked about it, and now we're actually doing it, which yeah. is a good thing.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to say out loud I was wrong. I
2: mean, I'm happy to have been wrong. I was skeptical wrong. too, guys. Like, man, I mean, you know, it's, a, I it's a, it, 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 because everybody wants to protect home. They're that's right. That's exactly and, right. And, and that's that's the first reaction. That's but right. but then when you take a step back and say, okay, if, if if we can do these major projects, land them in our area, then we are protecting. We are home.
1: protecting home. That's exactly. That's exactly. That's very well said. Um, so current initiatives right now in Wayne County, I just saw a uh, a document, and there was a lot of money that f- has come uh, to Wayne County. So can we talk about that? Yeah. Talk about what has been delivered there,
2: and a lot of money. Yeah. Well, your <laughs> so, current initiatives, so things is, you focus on. It's not just funding; it's also policy structure. Yeah. So, so you know, um, one, one of the things that we've been in from is uh, I'll just start with transportation, uh, having seven ninety five. It was 70 bypass, so those are key to get people in and out. Uh, roads work both ways. They bring people in, they also bring people out. And so to be that bedroom community now to Raleigh, which I you know, didn't 15 years ago, never thought I would say, but now you can be to Raleigh in less than an hour. Uh, people are living in, in Wayne County and commuting back and forth. Uh, so, so leveraging our transportation dollars and, and trying to figure out a way to to fund those. So you look at some of the policies we put in the budget. I've opened up the doors to let us continue to be in the good road state in fund those transportation projects. So people are going to see more transportation projects, more resurfacing, um, which is most needed. So that's key. The other money that we put in, not only do we have a lot of that coming to Wayne County, but then opens up a pot of money that other cities and, and counties and municipalities can apply for, is water and sewer infrastructure. Um, when we were looking, when the American Rescue Plan, or what we called the ARP funds, came down during COVID, we said, okay, we can spend this money on a bunch of frivolous stuff or we can actually do something with it that, that will make strategic investments for the benefit of all North Carolina. North Carolina. That's what we chose to do. So we invested over a billion dollars to start with in infrastructure. And so you look at little towns like Eureka and Fremont and Pikeville and Mount Olive and even Goldsboro that had these water systems that have been frankly band because you just, unless you were willing to raise taxes to the point to where no one would live in your town, you it it was hard to to maintain those structures, and so we've come back in and put a boatload of money into water and sewer infrastructure. That is not sexy. It doesn't make the headlines. Yeah, right. But when you go flush the toilet, That's right. when you you expect it, you expect it to work. Oh, you'll know you you'll know about <laughs> it when it ain't working. <laughs> so <it's the> <laughs> you know. And and so people don't think about that until they have issues or when it backs up or when we have spills. And so um, so uh, in this budget, finally. After, I think, four or five years, we have fought to get the Eureka situation under control where the town of Eureka lost their charter due to not being able to afford the water and sewer issue. So we're going to finally fix that, uh, work on Fremont. Um, Pikewell has done wonders for what they've done there. A new mayor, a new leadership team who came in and continued the work that was done to get them off the, the uh, moratorium list for water and sewer. Uh, City of Goldsboro, where we're working on the West End now, which has been a direct benefit to why Mount Off-Pickle moved their operations there. We're finishing that project. Uh, Goldsboro also got additional water and sewer dollars to help. And people say, well, why is that important? Well, one, is needed. But two, if you're looking at water and sewer rates, you're looking at property taxes, all these things that cities could tap into to raise those taxes, to be able to fund these projects, the state's funding for them to avoid that. Yeah. So uh, water and sewer money is huge across um, the, the county. Uh, you look at the southern part of the county, the money we got for the amount of airports, a project, uh, I'll be working with my colleagues to go back and also get funding for the, the Wayne County airport. And we got some projects there. We need, to, we need to continue so that way we have that infrastructure in place. And then we have a lot of nonprofit grants put in there. Um, one of the things that I've that I, I've decided to do by talking with a lot of our fire departments is try to do mini grants or do, to basically help them buy new equipment to fix refurbished equipment needed. So that way we have a, Top-notch fire service in our uh, in our county, and so uh, it's hard to do all the fire departments at one time. So I'm going through, yeah. and I have people say, "Well, why didn't you do this fire department?" Well, because this fire department asked, this fire department didn't. But I'm getting yeah. to all of them. Yeah. So my goal is to have a, a at least one grant done to every fire department. And then you look at uh, lo- local initiatives. One of the had a lot of folks come and say, "I know you're doing these nonprofit grants. How can we help? Um, what can we do to tap into that?" And so we felt the best way was to put a lump of money in through the United Way. Uh, Sherry and her team do an outstanding job. They understand the needs. They have the criteria in place, and so allow more organizations to apply for that funding. So we did that. Then also um, there was a little grant there for what uh, Habitat for Humanity and Matt Whittle and his team has done, and some of the projects they're working on to provide housing. Housing is mm-hmm. a major need, Unity. not just in Goldsboro but also throughout Wayne County and North Carolina. So we were able to, to do some funding there. And uh, a project that I've been working on is trying to get a new school at Rosewood. Um, I drive past Rosewood Middle School every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And to see that building sitting there that four or five governors have come in and advocated for and to, to just wasn't moving. And so, uh, so to be able to get the funding to, to build a new Rosewood Middle School, along with the funding that we got to secure a Fremont Elementary school, so those those things are key.
1: So what can the Chamber of Commerce here in Wayne County and maybe its members, what can we do to help, to support?
2: Um, You you know, support's always needed, and there's ways to do that politically. Just reach out to me. But the big support is is we've got a great community. Um, I, I get a chance to travel across the state and see what other counties are doing, what other cities are doing, what other towns are doing. We've got a lot going for us here in Wayne County, and people need to realize that. I hear people say, well, there's there's nothing to do, or you know, I, I can't believe no, 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 this is a great place to live. It's a great place to grow a business, a great place to raise a family. Look at look at in this collaboratives, this local, county, city officials, state officials working together. That's how we got to Maxwell Center, that's how we got to Bryan Multi Sports Complex, that's how we got the downtown done. Um, these were all partnerships that all came together because people we were willing to work together. So if you're a, a business leader, community leader, church leader, whatever, we need to promote the good things going in Wayne County. Uh, If there's issues that need to be addressed, Haley, bring them to the forefront. Let's see if we can try to fix those. Um, But let's continue to work together because when we work together, great things happen for our community.
1: That's the truth. That is the truth. So you also have, in addition to uh, your full slate as majority leader, you have a business that you do on the side. Is that right?
2: So, well, I wouldn't say on the side. That's my real job. Oh, that's your the, actual the job. You do the is, politics yeah, on the so, side. <laughs> so let's let, let's dispel a myth. Okay, um, people go to Raleigh to get rich.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> you go to Raleigh to surf. Yeah. Um, a representative and a uh, senator salary is thirteen thousand nine hundred fifty-two dollars oh, a year. Oh man, good. So, uh, good. so you definitely don't do it for the money. Of course, you get a hundred and four dollars per day per uh, only per when we're in session uh, per diem. And then one round Is that trip. Why
1: it took so long for the uh, budgeting? Get... <laughs> <Anyways,
2: laughs> yeah, <kidding>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably. Um, but and then you get one round trip mileage based off like the 1992 mileage formula. Yes. And so, and so people, as representatives, we've never since I've been there, uh, i we're, we're not going to vote to get ourselves a raise because uh, you don't do it for that. You do you do you do it to serve. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's part of my my, my service and uh, enjoy that service. But yeah, I have to have a real job to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I've been blessed uh, to not only work with North Carolina Community Federal Credit Union, then I worked in the insurance and benefits industry for a while. But a few years ago, I was approached by a friend of mine who was starting a a, um, a family-owned equity firm is, is really what it is. And so we do, uh, we got about a hundred million dollars with operating companies in North Carolina. Uh, I was blessed enough to work with a team that brought one of those to Wayne County, where not only, we have uh, an industry that's here, but we hire, I think, about 380 people. And so, and that was a big win for, yeah. for our companies, but also a big win for our area to bring that facility here. Uh, our, our team sold that facility, so we're no longer involved in that. But um, we've been able to do partnerships with Wayne Community College. I think last check, we started an electrical apprenticeship program in one of our companies. And we had, uh, I think, 31 students signed up already that's to great. do that. So, that's, that's pretty cool. That apprenticeship thing is awesome. Uh, apprenticeship, oh where's that? It's so awesome. I, 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 I was talking with some folks this weekend, and I said, you know, if I was 18, 19 years old, just getting out of high school, and was making $70,000, $80,000 a year doing apprenticeship, first of all, I probably would have been foolish. I would have yeah, done some dumb right. stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. but you know, just the amount of money you can make. Yep. And people say, well, you got to go to a four-year institution. No, no, no. Our community college is doing an outstanding job. And look, I support our four-year institutions, too. Sure. But, you know, just, just think about it. If you can... Without well, debt, I mean... Uh, but I mean, you can go to Wayne Community College this week, get involved in an apprenticeship program, walk out the door and, and have a skill, trade as needed where you can go to work right off. I mean, like tomorrow. Yeah. And, and if you want to leverage it through the University of Maryland to get a four-year business degree or whatever, become an entrepreneur. That's and right. And make life. That's make exactly right.
1: Life. That's why I tell people all the time, It's like, I mean, you think if you can also teach these people entrepreneurship skills or vision like to kind of have a dream or if they have a dream for that. I don't care where you come from, man. Uh, you come from any background. If you've learned that skill and you have a passion and a, any expertise whatsoever for business, you can you can make a lot more than $70,000 a year. So
2: so, so when you look at, let's just, and we talk about skill trades, people tend to think, you know, plumbing, electrical. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about nursing, for example. Yeah. If every, I think it was a statistic that said if every school in our state had a nursing program, we still wouldn't graduate enough nurses to fulfill the need we have today, just in our state alone. So when you look at the opportunities on, on the nursing side, on, on the medical side, on the construction side, um, there's tons of opportunity there to have not, not only a great job, but really a great career. You could you could start your own business. You um, know, it's just so many opportunities there. And uh, and what our company does is we we like the skill trade side. We've got a electrical company. We've got a metal fabrication company. Another larger metal fabrication company. We've got a manufacturing company. We're in the process of making our first out of state um, acquisition today. Uh, Fort Myers, Florida, not a bad Congratulations. place to Yeah. And so we're we're excited about that. What's
1: the name of the business?
2: Uh, so so we're, we're we're Rise Companies, Rise Capital. Yeah. And so we have a corporate office in Raleigh. Um. And so so we're we're excited. We're Eastern North Carolina guys. Yeah. And uh, what we want to do is grow business industry, not just in our state, but all throughout the Southeast. Oh, yeah, that's and, awesome. uh, and it's fun. It's fun going and watching something that started from an idea to turn into a multi-million dollar business. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about what to do. i learned a lot about what not to do. A lot of trials and errors. Learn how to scale business, work with guys that are really, really good entrepreneurs. Watching people that are given an opportunity to take it and run. And that's what I like to see. So, so that, that, that's what I do day in and day out. Love it. Great team of people that, that, that I'm surrounded by. And uh, so it's a lot of fun.
1: Heck yeah. Well, that's awesome. So uh, the next five years, or just what's next for John Bell, you answer that how?
2: Let's, let's, let's talk about politics. Okay. Um, you know, the, the next five years, uh, Kelly and I have, have tried to figure that out, what we want to do as, as, as a family. I've got a nine-year-old daughter, so so let's take politics and put it over here for a minute. Uh, family-wise, uh, we live in a great community. My daughter's at Roosevelt Elementary. She's playing volleyball, basketball, tennis. Anything she wants, she wants to do, she's doing. And so, um, being a part of her life, watching her grow up, um, being with my family. You know, my my mom's down in Mount Olive. Uh, I've got my, my sister to The famous, the, the famous Carrie Bell Shields, um, and then and then my niece Bell. And so so being being a part of our family and uh watching our family grow up, watching my niece and my daughter grow up is, is gonna be a lot of fun. So I look forward to doing that over the next five years. Uh growing professionally with our companies. Uh, hopefully our goal is to to add one to two companies a year with our our companies. So expanding that and trying to trying to trying to grow a workforce across the Southeast is gonna be pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. On um, politics, uh, and there's no secret. I've thrown my name in the hat for Speaker of the House.
1: Speaker of of, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because that is a big a big That's a big deal, deal Man. Um,
2: it, It's a big deal, but there's also um, other opportunities there. And so in the world of politics, so I think I've got a little bit more to give. I've been in there, this will be years 11 and 12. Uh, I think i got a couple more terms left. If I'm blessed enough to be Speaker of the House, I think good things will happen. If I'm blessed enough to do something else besides Speaker of the House, but stay in politics, I think good things will happen. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the... When, I, when you look at Raleigh and the change, the change that's happened in Alaska, I'm like old. I'm like ancient and tenure-wise. And I've been up there for six terms. And so when you look at the, the body after the folks that are leaving this cycle, retiring, running for a statewide office, um, I mean, just about, gosh, i say 60% of the body is going to be in their first and second term. So I'm like the old guards. So uh, that, that's, that's pretty interesting because uh, being one of the old guards tenure-wise but one of the youngest people Age wise is is, is, is kind of cool when you play that, but um, a lot lots of opportunity there politically. We'll see how it plays out. A lot of people, a lot of people say, "Don't you want to run for governor?" I was like, "No, <laughs> no, no, no." I like or hey, why don't you run for Congress? I'm like, "No, no." I like state politics is where I'm happy. State politics is where I think my skill set is. Uh, representing my community is what I've always wanted to do. Uh, when I got elected, I swore I would be the best representative possible. Um, that's the passion that drives me. You know, can we fix issues in our community? Can we bring dollars back to Wayne County? Can we put policies in place that make life better, not just in our state, but also in our area? That's what drives me, yeah. and so on. Um, so, I see me. Um, if we're doing this in five years, uh, you, know, you know, I think we will look back and say, "Man, we had one heck of a run, and we really represented our community well." And now it's time for maybe somebody else that has good ideas and and is energetic to get up there and fight for Wayne County. So I, I don't plan on staying in politics forever, forever, yeah. But um but but I do want to make the best of it while well, I'm there. What a run, man. And
1: um and I guess I mean I think I know I have at least a uh, an inkling of the impact that it would mean for Wayne County if John Bell becomes speaker. But educate educate us. Why why would that be valuable to Wayne County to have aside from being Proud of you
2: and proud well, you. have got the notoriety with it. That's you've got right. the power to purse that comes with it. That's right. Uh, you know, you've got the ability to be the, 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 the head dog in the house. Mm. Um, those are all the, the pluses. Set the agendas. Well, yeah, you, you set the agendas, you navigate through that. Um, but then you also got to look at the negatives that come along with it too. You, you become a target. We saw what happened in Washington mm. this, this past week. Uh, you know, it becomes a, a highly stressful. A job not only managing the chamber but also traveling the the state, working throughout the state, and so um so there's pros and cons that come along with that, and and, and my family and I are navigating through that on, on what's best for our family and what we need to look at. There's also opportunities to serve in different different positions in the house that um that you know could be very beneficial to our area. I've been blessed enough to be elected by my colleagues um, as the longest serving majority leader in state history. That's um that's that's nothing to be be ashamed of. It's nothing it's something to be definitely proud of. And so, um, so there's opportunities there that will come along. Um, there's also opportunities to look at some of the, the newer members to come in and watching what happens to them and working with them to get them up. And so uh, so I, I, Wayne County is in a good situation. Wayne County is in a really good situation in the North Carolina Assembly. Yeah.
1: Well, and we're fortunate. We really are fortunate to have, have
2: you there. Well, and, and I, I'll um, just tell you, Scott, I, I've been blessed. Um, you know, It's one thing to go up there and serve, but I've never forgotten where I came from. I always take a moment when I walk in that chamber to look up and say, man, 90, around 93,000 people elected me to be their representative in this chamber when decisions are made. And so I I don't take the decisions I make lightly. I don't take what what I've been been elected to do lightly. I I take it as a high honor uh, to to serve the people of of Wayne County and District 10. And so I want people to know that I'm successful because our community's been successful. Um, I've got a a tremendous amount of support from this community that has helped, you know, move me along. I remember when I first got elected. I one of the very first bills that, that we ran. I, I don't remember a lot of house house numbers on bills, but I remember this one was House Bill 484 in the 2013 session, and. Um, Wes Siggers and Henry Smith and uh, Jimmy Edmondson and Chuck Allen and Ben Siggers was, was the chair of the military affairs committee at the time. We had this issue where the wind turbines were going to be built and we were actually going to put Seymour Johnson at risk and shut down our low level flying routes. And um, I remember when we went to committee to do the bill. And so it was, I was the, I was a new member. Everybody else on the bill had been there longer than I have, all the bill sponsors, but they said, Hey, you know, what do you think? And I said, I'm going to carry this one from start to finish. It's my community. I'm passionate about it. I'm going to fight tooth and nail to get this thing done. And uh, I remember for I walked into the first committee, Ben Seegers, I don't even know if Ben even remembers this, Ben said, look, it's a no-fail option. <laughs> if you mess this up, you probably don't need to come back home. We're so. <laughs> so, <laughs> glad things worked out. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad things worked out too. Uh, man, so I remember being a new member, going, what have I got myself into? And I didn't really understand how big the legislation was at the time but uh, if we hadn't got that done uh, we could have lost seymour johnson yeah and and that started a a community effort uh gave me a lot of confidence on what i was doing Uh, a lot of people right around me on both sides of the aisle to help get that done and so without the community support and community back and i wouldn't be in the situation i'm in today so i'm very blessed and the other thing i'll just end with this is um in order to do what we do day in day in and day out, you have to have a strong family. And so, my wife Kelly has been very supportive. Um, my daughter Avery has been very supportive. Uh, she didn't really have a choice; she was born into this. But um, but having that 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 stability and support back home my mom, my sister, my mother in law, my sister in law, uh, my, my grandmother was battling cancer and was making phone calls to help me get real like this. So to have my aunts, uncles have that family support and structure back home has been key to my success as well. I'm very blessed. Well, Representative Bell,
1: thank you so much for your time today and for the conversation. Thank you. Appreciate it.